Welcome back for episode 32 of Self-Signed Artist. The idea of being a self-signed artist is actually about more than just whether or not you're independent. It can even continue when you're signed to a label. Today, we're going to talk about that with Soli Had. You're listening to Self-Signed Artist, the podcast that helps independent musicians run their brand like a business. Now, your hosts, Kobe Nelson and Jake Mannix. How's it going, everybody? I'm Kobe Nelson, and I'm here with my co-host, Jake Mannix. Hello, hello. How are you doing today, Jake? I feel like every time we do an interview, I never actually ask you that anymore. Today was wild. Today, <laughs> I, had, I was supposed to have a little session, and I come downstairs, start on my computer, and it won't boot up. And it turns out I have too much stuff on there. Turns out I have too much stuff on my computer, so it doesn't want to boot up. Jeez. So me and my friend are going to take <laughs> the screen off tomorrow and swap the hard drives out of the iMac. Oh, nice. So a good day overall then, in great, other words. Great, great. It actually has been, a, it has been a good day. No complaints over here. How about <laughs> That's you? That's good. I'm doing pretty good. I'm happy to be here today because today we're here with a guest whose name you've probably heard a few times if you've been listening to this podcast for a little while. Because he's connected to a few of our past guests, actually quite a few of our past guests. And while he's not a self-signed artist anymore, technically, I'm sure we'll all be getting something out of talking to him today since he's currently a, actually a signed, signed artist with Island Records. Maybe you've heard of that label before. So Jake and I are very happy to welcome to the podcast, Solely Had. Thank you. Thank you. What's going on, boys? How are we feeling? How are we feeling? How's it going? Thanks for being here. Hell yeah. Thanks for having me. So I want to talk about uh, a bunch of things with your career and, and building up to where you've gotten today. But, but first, how do you and Jake actually know each other? Are you guys, did you guys meet at the same, there's like a fateful concert back in the day that it seems like everybody in your area met everybody. Is that how you guys met too? I honestly, do you remember Jake? I don't remember. The very first time you came here was with Suave and Johnny for oh, okay. whatever that song is. Oh, um, Here for it? it? That one, I think. Here for it. That's what's Here for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah here yeah. for it. And then you maybe came like one more time before that, like that show at Upstate. Mm -hmm. And then after Upstate, it was kind of like, like everybody knew everybody after that, I think. Okay. So you guys actually knew each other before that concert then. But not long before. Not long okay. before. Yeah, I think we were boys, like, at the concert, you know what I mean? <laughs> we were just mutuals at first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so how long had you been making music before that? Like, how did you actually get your start making music under the name Sully Had? So, like, under the name Sully Had, I would say I was probably 19, I think, 18 or 19. I had to change my name because it's this whole story that I always got to tell everybody. <laughs> They're like, what is what is Soli Had? Like, what does that even mean? So my little sister used to call me Hattie because my nickname is Harry. So I was going by Hattie for the longest time. And then I was like, I don't like the D-Y at the end. So I dropped it to Had. And then I was like, ah, how is anyone going to find me if my name <laughs> is just Had? Like, that's terrible. <laughs> so I put up a little Twitter poll. I was like, what should I name my new artist name? Soli Had, Soli, and then some other thing I don't remember. But the last one got the, or Sully Had got the most uh, votes. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. Nice. So you had actually been 
making music for a little while and had enough of a following to actually do that for a bit before then? Yeah, so that was like when I started uploading consistently on Twitter, like song previews and stuff. So I kind of got my start as had, and then I switched it. Okay. Super early, though. I didn't really have like a big fan base, but I had people listening consistently. Nice. So so what got you into music in the first place and making your own music? Um, I just always loved listening to music. My mom had amazing music taste. And she gave me this Walkman with like classics on it from like Eminem to Bob Marley to like everything in between. And I started working on GarageBand like off an iPad at my friend's house, my friend 50 God. I made this dumbass song called Robot Snakes. You can probably find it on YouTube. (laughs) But I would say that was my start because I made that beat, did the lyrics and all that stuff. And that was my first like full on production before that. I was just messing around. Um on this app called Finger Beats for a long time. But I started playing guitar when I was 10, so I'd say that's where it really started. Okay. So when you were in your writing songs and and posting them and starting to gather listeners and things like that, is there any moment that you can point to as like the moment where you thought, okay, like this is something that I could actually do long term? Like was there a breakthrough at any point? Yeah, so I was going to Hudson Valley for a minute. I did a whole uh, semester, well, I did a whole year. And then I was back for my first semester. I was living at this crib in Schenectady, 1000 Union Street. We had a bunch of people over there a bunch of times. It's kind of like infamous a little bit. We used to throw the craziest parties and stuff. But (laughs) I was like, I dropped Deja Vu. I previewed Deja Vu, um, this record I made like three years ago. And it got 8,000 plays like the night of and then I literally called my mom I was like yo I don't think I'm going back to school tomorrow I was like I'm gonna just do this so then I just didn't go back (laughs) and started doing it (laughs) nice like is there anything that you think contributed to that specifically getting those 8,000 views in the first night that that went live literally Twitter like Twitter is like was the the TikTok of when I was using it I would just preview songs like super raw, just like this is what I'm working on today. And actually this influencer, this comedian, Mike Corey, he kind of like co-signed it, retweeted it, commented on it and stuff. Mm. And all his fans saw it. And at the time, I mean, still, he has a big following on there. So he really helped me with that for sure. Okay. And how connected do you think that was with like the local community in the area at the time? Was that like a big part of that? as well because now you kind of like you have this sort of community that you've helped develop in the area and we've talked to a couple more people in that community i mean you haven't at this point made a a move like south to new york city or out west to la so like what about your community keeps you coming back to the albany area and and making music there i just all my people are here man like all my friends all the people i care about I, i go i go to la for like whatever and I'm just lonely as hell. and <laughs> I just don't <laughs> like it. Basically, just friends and family. I'd like to keep it close. So, I mean, I might end up going down to the city at some point. It's still close. Quick train ride, but right, yeah. yeah. Mostly just for friends and family for the most part. Yeah. So when it comes to like productivity and growth, 2020 has kind of been a crazy year for that for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you've managed to stay consistent and keep growing and and stay productive do you have any anything to attribute that to how have you how have you managed to do that i don't know man i honestly in the beginning of the year like the first four or five months of the year were super rough for me 
like just mentally and just like productivity wise like i didn't really i couldn't really do anything like i felt like i couldn't write a good song i felt like i couldn't make a good beat and then i don't know i think something just happened where i was like i really gotta like kick this in a high gear you know what i mean i kind of just i wouldn't say it was anything specific i just did a lot of sulking and not making music for a long mm -hmm. time and i was like if i keep doing this this isn't gonna be good so i kind of just thought about it yeah, I mean, that seems like a, a common thread <laughs> from people that we've talked to. I know both of us had the yeah. same similar sort of thing where it took like a few months to figure out like how to do anything rather than just sit around and hope that stuff was going to get better mm -hmm. <laughs> soon. Yeah. But you, I mean, you've put out multiple songs in 2020, so it doesn't seem like it slowed you down that much. What's your perception of that? Do you feel like it slowed you down in any way after you kind of were able to get back to it? Yeah, so, I mean, with the whole label and stuff, there's always a delay when songs are dropping. So I had I had delivered the label a bunch of records. So we had those ready. Like, usually when I drop a record with them, I made it five months ago, four months ago. Okay. You know what I mean? And it's kind of everything's planned ahead super tight, aside from this last drop. But, yeah, I just had kind of a stockpile of good music that I made before I felt like that, before quarantine happened. And thank God for that, but... Yeah, and I think for a lot of artists who have been still trying to be productive in this time, like we said, it's been tough, but for the ones who have really been able to embrace it and kind of leverage the online part of their career for this time specifically, it's kind of like getting like a master's degree in online marketing almost, you know? Yeah. Like I think a lot of people really dove deep into that and tried to figure out ways to make an online community is that something that you felt for yourself or that you dabbled with at all honestly as of recently like i haven't felt like i was super connected with my fan base since that song blew up on twitter but mm. i i started i got on tiktok like back probably like six months ago but i wasn't uploading consistently didn't really care about it would just watch but as of like recently like one, two months ago, I really just started uploading every day and it feels like Twitter used to feel for me and it's super dope. Honestly, it's so sick. Like, I'm hyped about it. So you're posting there. What kind of content are you posting there? Just day-to-day -day life sort of things or is it all music related? So I do, I do the stupid trends that get the views. I do the stupid sound trends. I just preview like acoustics. I do covers, preview records just kind of a mix of everything. I don't I, I don't want it to be strictly music just because I feel like, mm. I don't know why. I like to, because I was on Vine, I like to have fun. I like to do like funny things. Like, you know what I mean? So it feels really cool to be on TikTok, honestly. Yeah, I, th I think that's it's something that we've sort of, it's hard to talk about in a podcast form. Like we've talked about social media, a couple social media things here and there and connecting with fan base and stuff like that. But I think a lot of the time when you, talk about those things or approach those things from a business direction, it kind of, it takes the whole thing away from it, whatever, you know, if it's all about your music, then instead of being like social media, it becomes, I don't know, advertisements or whatever. Yeah. I don't want it to seem super advertising. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So exactly what you're doing, kind of mixing it up, doing a little bit of both is a really good way for a lot of artists to approach it. Do you have any sort of philosophy about that? Like how much of each thing you want to do or is it planned out in any way or do you just kind of do what you're feeling at the time? I try to do at least two music TikToks a day and then the other two I'll do something else. 
I don't I don't have a plan for those ones, but I try to upload at least four times a day because the way it works is like one out of four videos will do consistently better than the other one for no reason at all. Sometimes I get a little upset when I put in <laughs> like an hour of work on this song I'm working on, preview it, and then I upload some dumb trend where I'm singing for two seconds and it just goes crazy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, it's, it's really weird with that. There seems to be like, I don't know, some level of just magic or, <laughs> or luck in it no matter what. Yeah, the the algorithm is unlike any other thing. It's so weird. It's the weirdest thing, but it's dope. Yeah. Is that something that purely came from your own desire to connect with fans? Or does the record label in any way influence those types of things for you at all? Or has being signed to Island changed the way you approach your business in any way, would you say? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm going to be honest. When I signed to Island, I took a little step back. I was like, kind of expected them to do a lot of things that I should have been doing anyway. And then kind of getting into the deal, getting into it. I've been signed for one and a half years, I think, at this point. But I was like, why did I even stop connecting with the fans over social media? Why did I even stop doing that? That seemed like it was working the best for me. So it's kind of just me realizing that I need to get my face out there. I need to get my sounds out there because there's only so much they can do. When it comes to like how songs or projects are structured or like creative vision, how do you balance like your own input, your team's input and the label's input? I don't know. I usually kind of just stick with my gut and how I feel like I don't like to balance it. I just want to do what I want to do. And the way my contract is set up and everything, that's completely valid. So I don't really need the approval of them to do what I want to do and what feels right for me. Mm. It would just sometimes be a little slower process and as opposed to being independent where you can just boom, drop something when you want, but that's for good reasons, playlisting, all that good stuff. But yeah. How does that kind of look that, that process of getting from an idea stage to releasing something? It depends. Like this last drop was super fast pace. It was kind of just super organic sitting in the studio. Tom C pulled up a drum loop. I laid down a guitar, Noxtros spiced up the guitar, and then I just threw on a verse that I had sitting around that I, that I thought would go good to the, the record I was making. But sometimes it's like, it's a whole different process. It's, it's, it, it really goes um, song for song. Is that something that you have to like send off and, and do you work like directly with A&R or anything like that to develop the songs once they've already started? Or is a lot of it just you make something and you you send it off that's what most of it is like i do what i want to do on it if they have like notes or like they can tell me things it could be like oh i think you should do this or i think this feature would sound cool i'm always like open to hearing them if they have good ideas and stuff like that but most of it i just kind of do what i want to do and then run it by them it's usually like okay cool we like it too you know nice yeah it sounds like a really nice situation then with a lot of yeah. a lot of freedom i feel like i don't know maybe in the the current landscape that's more common but i feel like especially in the past there's i don't know you hear of all kinds of things with that with artists battling with labels about wanting to put something out and they can't or whatever so that sounds like a really awesome situation yeah it's super dope i want to circle back to one other thing that you were saying just a minute ago too because i think you kind of touched on something that a lot of artists might feel, especially when it comes to labels and and getting signed and things like that. Because I think a lot of people see getting signed as sort of like an end goal, 
where like if I can just get signed and get the backing from a label to fund me making my music or whatever, that that's going to launch my career and I can kind of sit back and I've made it. But I think in a lot of ways, getting signed is more like resetting a starting point. Like you're just creating a new starting line that you have to begin from. Like the work really begins there. Yeah. Can you talk about your experience with that kind of idea or any other misconceptions that you had about getting signed? Yeah. I mean, like there's always like the big hype around it. Like, oh, this artist got signed. Woohoo. But it's really like, I don't know. I, I visited a bunch of labels. I talked to a bunch of people. I ended up signing the thing that was best for me at the time. But yeah, so it took me a minute to realize that I should just be doing the same thing I've been doing, what's worked. Mm. And I kind of took a step back and I realized I was slacking a little bit because, oh, I just got signed. Woohoo. Let me be lazy. Let me let me go <laughs> over here. Let me get drunk here. Like stupid stuff that they, they throw you in these L.A. parties. It's like, woohoo, so, so cool. But I don't know. I kind of just realized that. I have to apply more pressure rather than expecting the label to do it for me. Mm. And that way I can throw them the alley-oop to take it even further. Right. Yeah. I think that's huge and something that most people sort of forget about that you still are in control of your brand and in control of what happens with it. You know, Mm -hmm. like getting signed is great, but a lot of people have record deals and never do anything like there are people who don't even put anything out yeah because that kind of gets in your head and i don't know i think a big part of it is the feeling of equating getting signed with making it i think a lot of that comes down to the advance in a lot of cases like if you're getting a, a record deal a lot of the times that comes with an advance and that people sometimes view that as like the label rewarding them for being good or something mm-hmm. like that, rather than an investment mm-hmm. that the label's making in you. Because, I mean, if, if people are familiar with how advances and stuff or, or record deals are structured, like, that's recoupable. Like, yeah. the label has to make that money back before they're going to pay you anything else. Exactly. So, can you talk about managing that as an artist, too? Well, so, when I, uh, when I signed my deal, I kept all my masters from everything before I dropped Crush. So, mm-hmm. literally, the deal was for Crush pretty much. So I had, I I still have a consistent money stream coming from my old records that I made back in that old house. I made, it's crazy because I made four records, four or five of my biggest records. I made like one week apart and it's just, I, I own all that old stuff. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been, I'm blessed to have that on my contract and it's pretty sick. So I'm I'm not really stressing about that. Yeah. As far as like, getting in advance and everything i mean we don't have to talk like numbers or anything like that but how do you go about managing that type of thing because there's definitely got to be a temptation to go out there and buy a bunch of stuff but like how do you approach that as like an investment towards making future things yeah i don't i'm not really like a big spender i think i i, I leased a car i didn't buy a car i'm leasing a crib like i just i don't i don't like the i don't spend money man i really I mean, I do on on, mu- on music stuff. Like, I went out and bought a Strat, went out and bought a new piano, went out and bought a mic, nice interface, really just kind of recycling the money back into something I could make more money with, pretty much. I think that's huge. And the way to go about any sort of windfall in a business is that you invest it back into 
something that's going to continue mm-hmm. the business. That's, I mean, that's kind of exactly what I was getting at where it, you're not using that as an end goal then of getting signed, getting an advance, getting a chunk of money. You're using that as a way to keep making what you make and doing what you do. Yeah. W- would you say that that was one of the biggest things that you've sort of learned being a signed artist or are there any th- other things that you can point to that you've learned since being signed that maybe you wish you would have known when you were unsigned? Yeah, just, I mean, circling back to that thing I said before, just keep applying the pressure. I wish I realized that a little earlier than I did, for sure. I kind of expected them to do things that I should have been doing myself. You know what I mean? Like what types of things? Just like social media presence, like promoting myself. Like there's only so much they can do. And it's like, if I'm not doing anything, how are they How are they going to do anything? You know what I mean? Yeah. If they have nothing to kind of point to, <laughs> yeah. then you can't really go anywhere with that. Mm-hmm. I, I, another thing that you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier was sort of hype about different concepts, like getting signed. I think there's a, a lot of hype around a bunch of concepts when it comes to being an independent artist as well. And I'm wondering if you can talk about which ones in your experience are legitimate, that are are things that are actually important that you should really go after and which are hype. Like for example, I mean, one of the big things that you hear anytime you hear any content about like being an independent musician or something is engaging with your fans more. Like that's something that you need to do. And I think sounds like you would probably agree that that's something where the hype is legitimate. Like that's something that you should be doing. Are there any other things where you hear people saying things about what you should be doing that are just hype? Yeah, like just the whole concept of getting signed. Like there was there was so much hype around it. I felt like it's like, like you said before, that doesn't mean you've made it. Like that's literally just the beginning of like a new chapter. You know what I mean? It's like, I remember talking to my boy because I was in LA when I got signed, I wasn't home. I remember talking to my boy, he's like, bro, it's a party out here for you. He's like, Ever? and I'm like, why, like, why now? Like, because I signed a piece of paper? Like, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. It's just funny how, it's just funny how it is. A lot of people don't know the ins and outs and stuff. And it's like, they hear, oh, he signed. Oh my God, he's famous. It's just, I don't know, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, do you feel like being signed is an important thing that people should still be going for? Or is that an individual choice, would you say? Are there any generalizations that you can make about that? I think it goes person for person. It's all like specific to your situation and what you do. And if you need that advance to like do certain things you have in mind. And like, I think it just goes case for case, person for person. A lot of people are just going to be better off independent for sure. And I think I don't regret signing my deal at all. I think I have a good deal and I like it a lot. And when it's time to move on, I will. And uh, it's just, yeah, person for person, whatever uh, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is there anything that you think you would have done differently maybe if you hadn't ended up going the record label route, if you had stayed completely independent? Honestly, probably just more drops within a concentrated period of time is one mm. thing. Yeah, for sure. That's one thing I, I, I do want to do eventually, just kind of blast people with singles, like boom, one week, doom, next week, like I used to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's something that we've talked a little bit, like Jake, we've talked about that for you and just kind of in general. I'm wondering to get both of your takes on this. Like, what do you think is the optimum like rate for that, like releasing singles? 
Because I feel like at some point, maybe there's going to be diminishing returns where if you release too fast, say you're releasing every week or twice a week, it may be like sensory overload for people and, you know, like it might stop driving the growth. Like, what do you think is the best for that? I don't know. What works for me in the past was uh, kind of two weeks at a time. So people can digest it and really sit with it and listen to it before you just throw another one on them. But at the same time, I know this dope artist, his name's Koi. His drop schedule is so sporadic. It's like he'll drop two records one day after the other, week later, drop another one, three <laughs> months later, drop a new one. It's just like whenever he feels like it. And like, it's yeah. cool. It's 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 doing good things for him too, I think. So it depends on your fan base too, I think. Yeah, I think that's interesting too, that there there might be something to be said for not even being scheduled at all, just releasing something when it's done. Yeah. Jake, how about for you? Is there anything that you think as far as what the schedule should be? I'm not sure. Cause like if you're going to release a record, I would say no more than three singles prior to the record or not, dude, who cares? I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, what am I saying? I don't know. What yeah. am I to say? Who am I, dude? That's not good for the podcast. because there's, <laughs> there's a bunch of, there's like a bunch of benefits to waiting as in like playlisting and algorithms and all this, all this, all these things that no one really knows about, but they've heard other people say that, oh, you should wait this long in between. You should do this and that. And then some people will just drop a record a week and they go crazy. Like, yeah. like Russ, for example. That's what yeah. Russ did. Yeah. From my point of view, like if an artist that I like drops a bunch of songs one after the other after the other i'm just gonna keep listening to them until yeah. i don't like one you know what i mean true i don't know if i would get tired of it or annoyed i'm sure as a fan base they're gonna be like okay like we get it we get it you have new music bro like <laughs> this is your 20th 20th single this quarter we got it <laughs> i don't know but maybe yeah. people would love that yeah yeah that's what i'm saying like who knows i don't know if you'll have to cut that part out earlier but I really don't know, brother. I really don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure anybody knows for sure. I was just interested to see what you guys think and like what sort of decision making goes into that versus just kind of like releasing things. I don't know, because there's so much like, I, I feel like there's a lot of that in the music industry. There are like these standard ways of doing things that like nobody really has a reason for why they do it that way it's just like it's like a leftover thing from an earlier time in the music industry like like okay, using pro had... tools <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> but but like for, for like physical copies for example like there's still so many things about how i think a lot of artists approach releasing music that's just from needing to physically produce physical copies of music cds or whatever and it's like a lot of people are starting to come around on that, I think, and get out of those like, okay, you're going to release a record every two years or every year or whatever it is and and tour on it for a certain amount of time. And people are starting to experiment with those types of things. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's whatever, whatever works for you. And I guess maybe as a just a piece of advice for musicians out there who are thinking about these types of things for their own music, it really is a great time now to experiment with that like because you don't have to worry about physical copies or whatever you can put up two songs in a week and try that and see what happens mm -hmm. and go from there i guess i mean to just carry on this topic I, when i uh i previewed my last drop on tiktok like a month ago and it blew up like i just did this like quick little preview it got like four hundred thousand views 
And I was like, I got to get this out. I got to get this out tomorrow. I got to get this out because people have short attention spans. And then it was like, wait a minute. Let me try to keep promoting it because the label, a lot of stuff needs to happen. I can't just get a drop date tomorrow with them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Different schedules, conflicting things. So I was like, all right, so I can't drop it tomorrow. So how can I boost this? So I literally just kept promoting it for the whole week. And they were like, yeah, I think we should drop it on this day for the algorithms and this and that. And I was just, at first I was like pissed off. I was like, the shit's popping. Let's drop it right now. But then when it dropped, it's on like 10 different playlists, like super dope playlists. I made five, six, seven TikToks that didn't blow up as much as that one, but did super well. And I think it might've helped me out to wait for that for some weird reason, because I just kept promoting it. If I sat there and did nothing, probably wouldn't have been beneficial, but I was like, well, since this is happening, let me take this time to juice up the record some more, get some more pre-saves. Yeah, that's true. I think that is something that maybe a lot of people overlook now, especially independent musicians, when it really is like 100% on you when you drop something. Like you could you could make something today and go put it up somewhere. Mm -hmm. Like since that's possible, maybe a lot of people do sort of forget about that. Like the promotion side of it through social media, raising people's awareness about it before you actually put it out. And maybe that maybe that's something that really only makes a big difference if you already have a decent sized following or people who are going to be expecting you to do something at some point, if that's like your debut. Mm. I don't know, maybe, maybe it would be helpful to tease something and promote it if you can find a way to get it out to people. But yeah, that's definitely something to think about too, that it doesn't have to always be like at the drop of a hat, you're going to release something after you make it. Yeah. So we like to kind of finish things up with all of our guests with a kind of two part question about predicting the future. So first for yourself, where do you see your career headed in the next few years? And then a second part to that question, where do you see the music industry as a whole headed? Like what's next? What's coming? So I've been thinking about this a lot. It's like, Everyone's always like, oh, this is your year, bro. This is your year. Everyone's always like, this is my year. And it's like, <laughs> I've never actually felt like it's my year until this this upcoming year. Like, I really just <laughs> feel good. Like, I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of dope music in the vault. I think it's going to be my year. But <laughs> it's there's never the year. It's obviously always a steady grind. But I think my music is going to do super well this year. And I'm super hyped about it. I just I have a very positive outlook as compared to last year. Because, mm. yeah, I was just mentally wasn't the, the greatest last year, earlier in the year. And now I just feel kind of rejuvenated, like like hyped up, like ready to go. So Yeah. Yeah, because you maybe shed a little bit of light on how you got through that little rut. Yeah. <sighs> Time, time, time. It's consistency. It consistency. Nothing. Nothing crazy special. I didn't have a crazy trip. Like, wow, I gotta do this <laughs> or anything like that. It's just time and yeah, just working through things. Yeah. Is there anything that you have in the works as kind of a, a plan that's going to be new this year from like a business standpoint, or is it just feeling really good about the music? Kind of having a a vision for how the year is going to go. Yeah, I have this whole rebrand in mind too that I'm kind of super excited to kind of put into play. I don't want to I don't want to like spoil any of my ideas or anything. Oh yeah, no no. no. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And then how about for the music industry as 
a whole? Like, is there anywhere that you see things really going? I think there's going to be a boom of shows after this COVID is, is over mm. with. I don't know if that's going to be this upcoming year. It's going to be booming. Business is booming. <laughs> I've thought about that too. Like there's not going to be enough dates. There's not going to be enough venues. There's not going to be enough sprinters. Everyone's going to be ripping each other's heads off to get a slot. Like, you know what I mean? But I think it's going to be, everyone's going to be ready. I think, I think it might be like, a big year for everybody who's doing a live show. Everyone is sick of sitting in the house. I mean, does that have the potential though to make like, we, I mean, we talked to a lot of people and a lot of the communities and everything are very much not, it's not a competitive thing in any way. Like you're not competing with other artists. It's a like a mutually beneficial thing. But I feel like if everybody's trying to host shows or, or put on shows all on the same time, like all the time, then it just becomes a conflict for like the show go or like how do you choose what show to go to? That's something I thought about too. Does that have any potential you think to be weird? <laughs> I think so. I mean, best case scenario. So like one day, one one night, for example, at a show in like Dallas or something and Jaden Smith was performing underneath me and I was like, I, I would go to the Jaden Smith show <laughs> instead of my show. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it, it might. There might be some conflict, but I feel like overall it's gonna be uh, beneficial for everybody. I don't think that conflict will matter. Do you think there's gonna be any carryover from like the whole industry kind of developed into this online thing? Do you think that's gonna carry over at all, or do you think once shows are like good to go, we're kind of signed off, where we can go to shows safely and everything that that's just going to completely take back over again. I mean, I'm, I hate, I hate the live streams, man. I hate yeah. them. <laughs> I hate them. It's hard to like get hyped up and perform well when you literally can't hear anybody or see anybody. Like that's the whole thing about it. That's why performing is so dope. Cause you can feed off people's energy and it's just lacking. If you mm. can't be in the same room with them, it's like a feeling you need to be in the same room as people. There's right. no comparison to, for me. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think with a lot of artists, there was kind of a mixed feeling about it. Like a lot of people did like experiment with it and, and try to think of creative ways to do it. Got into, I don't know, there were people who were, I saw bands and stuff who were doing like fairly big video production sort of things for live streams. So I, I don't know. I don't. I think there might be a place for that. But yeah, I definitely don't think it's going to be the norm for people to be tuning into live streams all the time. And I guess, I guess it kind of was a thing before COVID. It just became the only thing during COVID. And that's where it got a little strange. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even do any of that like cool setup, like stage setup, live stream or anything like that. I literally sat at my desk and recorded it. So I can't speak on that because I don't know. It could be cooler. I mean, it sounds like you kind of did a version of that, though, maybe with the social media things where you were doing like previews of songs and, yeah. and stuff like that. Was any of that like live where you were like performing a preview of a song or was it like posting a piece of a song you're making? Hell yeah, I, I would make the beat and then I would just sing over it with my vocals, not even recorded or anything back in the day. And um, what's worked better for me recently is playing the song and kind of just reacting to it myself and just mm. asking people how they feel about it interesting yeah yeah so i don't know we'll see i guess and if the shows go nuts i think that prediction is probably <laughs> gonna pan out that way that people are gonna go pretty crazy yeah are you planning anything as far as shows yet or is that still kind of all on the 
still still on the uh, still on the back burner for now. But because right before I was gonna do the worldwide tour, and I freaking mm. I lost my passport, bro. I gotta get another <laughs> one of those. But I actually got canceled in the middle of a tour. I was in Canada. It was the only show out of the U.S. But I was on tour with Audrey Mika. That got canceled. We thought we were gonna get stuck in Canada because COVID. Like they weren't gonna let us out or in. <laughs> of course, the one day outside the country. Yeah, <laughs> it was stressful. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, hopefully, we'll be getting back to things being normal and getting the shows going back again. Where can people find you online or on social media to kind of follow along, see what you're doing, see the things that you're releasing, and hear about things when we do start to get back to all that stuff? So I am on everything at Solihad, S O U L Y H A D. And yeah. I'm on everything, so come check it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and also you just recently, uh, a couple days ago from the time of this recording, released a new song called Maybe Not, yes, correct? Yes, sir, with uh, Mac Ayers on it. He killed it. Yeah, can you tell us anything about that for people to go check out? Yeah, it's super dope. It's like a R&B live instrument type vibe, kind of different than what I've been dropping recently. It's been getting a lot of dope feedback. So yeah, go listen to that. I think you'll like it. A lot of people do. Yeah. It's a great song. You can find that everywhere. So definitely encourage you to go check that out. Sully, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us all a, a glimpse into how you are running your business as an artist and continuing to kind of treat it almost like it sounds like you're still treating it as an independent artist business, even mm -hmm. under the record label and everything like that. So that's really what I wanted to talk to you about today and kind of get across to all of our listeners. So I think there are a lot of things to take away from that for a lot of people. So I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk to us. Hell yeah. Thank you guys for having me. This was dope. Is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners with a piece of advice or message of encouragement or something like that? Um, well, one thing that freaking legend Rodney Jerkins said to me when I met him three years ago, he said, don't get too comfortable. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> if you guys want to go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, probably five stars would be the best <laughs> one to do. Let us know what you thought about this episode with Mr. Sully had himself. And Sully, thank you again for coming on, dude. This was awesome. Yeah, this was dope, man. Thank you for asking me to do this. Super sick. Of course. And that's all we've got for you on this episode. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Self-Signed Artist. Peace.